Welcome to the St. James Sermon Podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Well, good morning, St. James. Hey, as we get started, I want to uh, just thank uh, Tony and Micah Raymond, Neil Johnson, uh, our Corona uh, team who's helped set all of this up. Uh, Liz and Ernie and the band and uh, all who just make this happen both in person and for all of you joining online. Can we give them a round of applause and just express our gratitude? They are awesome. And I truly think Ernie sings wherever he goes. Uh, So that's uh, the perfect song. I also want to uh, wish Eric Teeple happy birthday. Happy her- birthday, Eric. Uh, so it's great to celebrate your birthday. We could all gather to celebrate your birthday as well as uh, to worship God. And I want to also, I'm excited to say that, um, that in addition to having our sermons on YouTube and on our website, uh, thanks to Pastor Craig, we now have our sermons available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, so on iTunes or Apple, uh, on Google Pod, on even Spotify, they're available so you can take them with you. And I uh, want to let you know of that so that uh, just another way to access as well as to share uh, God's word uh, with people. We are beginning a new uh, series today called Galvanize, and uh, we're making our way through the book of Philippians as we dive into the fall. And so I want to ask you to join me. It's printed in your bulletin, it's, uh, but also in your Bible. Feel free to open to Philippians chapter 1. We're looking at the first 11 verses. And, and so hear God's word. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Will you pray with me, please? Almighty God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for its 
timeliness, its urgency, its relevance for our day, for this season in our lives. And we pray, God, that your spirit would speak to our hearts individually and together as a church, that we might be different, that this begins a new day, a new season in our lives. Lord, that you would galvanize us by the power of your spirit individually in our relationships with you and together as a church for the sake of the world. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today marks the 60th fall kickoff in the history of St. James. And we, yeah, that's worth celebrating. And we get to be here to celebrate that, although it is different than any other fall kickoff we've ever had. This is a different season. And I find that many people are focused on what isn't happening, what can't happen, what's not able to happen. And I want to challenge us today as we dive into God's word, as we begin this series, as we begin the fall, not to ask those questions that other people are asking, but instead of what isn't happening, to ask what is happening, what can happen, what God is up to and what God is doing in our midst, even and especially even because of what is taking place in our community and in our country and in our world. And so today we're beginning the series that we've called Galvanize. And we're going to be making our way through the book of Philippians, a church that is not unlike St. James or maybe better put, St. James is not unlike the church in Philippi in many ways. And what it means to be galvanized. Now, when we, when we title this series, I have an idea of what galvanized means, what the word galvanized means. But I thought I'd look it up in the dictionary. And when I looked it up in the dictionary, it said to be stimulated by or, or like being by a, galva a galvanic current. And I thought, that's not helpful at all. Don't you love it when the dictionary uses a different form of the same word you're looking up to define the word you're looking up? And so I said, okay, I'll look up galvanic. And it said, pertaining to galvanism. I said, that's not helpful at all. And so I looked up galvanism. And it said, electricity. And I thought, why couldn't we start there? To be stimulated by, or as if by, an electric current. And I thought, that's perfect for the church. That's what we are. That we have been filled with the power of God through the Holy Spirit. That the church is galvanized through the very Spirit of God into an entity that has changed the world. That the world has never been the same. Now, we were talking about this as a staff and Pastor Eugene, before he became a pastor, was a carpenter. And he said, you know, we use normal nails for most everything in carpentry, except if it's on the outside of a building. If we're building a house and on the outside of a house, we use galvanized nails. And galvanized nails are nails that, that are covered. 
They're covered in such a way that as you put them in, they help hold everything together, but they also are resistant in a way that is that are able to weather the storms that it might face from the outside. I know that how fitting it is for the church with that as well. That we are covered by the work of Jesus, held together in a way that's able to weather the storms that we face. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Philippi. And he's calling them to be galvanized. And we're going to see all of the implications of that as we make our way through the series. But as we begin this season, as we find ourselves in a time unlike any time we've experienced in our lives, as we dive into the fall, as we choose because of the Holy Spirit to ask different questions than other people are asking and ask, what is God up to? What does it mean to be galvanized? And in this passage, Paul lists at least two dynamic ways that God's people individually and together corporately are galvanized in a unique way. Now, before I dive into that, I got to say that when you read the book of Philippians, I mean, it's a love letter and Paul is passionate. Paul Paul is falling over himself in the level of passion and love and affection that he has for this church in Philippi. So much so that he can't stop writing. He can't stop a sentence. Now, when you and I read Philippians chapter 1, especially verses 3 through 9, the translators have have broken it out into two different paragraphs, 3 through 6 and then 7 uh, or yeah, in seven and eight, and and it's two different paragraphs. Each paragraph has two different sentences. What's fun in the Greek when Paul actually sat down and wrote this, those two paragraphs and four sentences were actually one long run-on sentence. Paul was so passionate he couldn't stop. He was so passionate that he wanted them to get this. And he didn't want to leave anything out. And so the first thing Paul says in order to be galvanized, to live our lives galvanized in this season, asking how we can be different right now, Paul begins by saying, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul uses this word partnership. He says for us to be galvanized means a partnership. That word is koinonia in the Greek. Now we often and usually translate the word koinonia as fellowship. And it's not a bad translation. I remember when I first became a Christian, and, and there are churches that have fellowship halls, and they often call them koinonia hall. Churches, uh, we, in, our, in our church where I first became a Christian and then uh, was in the college group, the college group was called the koinonia group it was the fellowship group because we loved hanging out together we loved being together and sharing our lives and fellowshipping together we often have between worship services times of fellowship or a fellowship time in most churches 
Uh, that fellowship time is defined by coffee and donuts. How do you know if you have a fellowship time? You have coffee and donuts. I have to say I miss the St. James coffee. That, uh, but, but for Paul, koinonia is more than fellowship. It's more than hanging out and shooting the breeze. Their lives literally were at stake when they met together. The word is better translated, and, and it is translated in our passage, as partnership. That we are partners in the gospel. He says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, Paul had seen their journey he saw their journey from the very beginning, their first day. He had seen what hap has happened as their story began to unfold. You see, they were living out a lower story reality as part of God's upper story that was unfolding through them. And many of you are familiar with the story and, and the impact it's had here at St. James and realizing for our own lives and for our church being part of that lower story. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't made your way through that, that this Wednesday evening they're picking that up again and encourage you to join that class, that, that small group on the story. But Paul was aware of their story. And here's the thing that Paul recognized. They are not yet as they could be, but they are not what they were. Paul remembered what they were like when they began. And they have come so far in their journey as the Spirit of God was galvanizing them into a community. And that God is continuing to be at work in them and through them. And the same is true for us. That he who began a good work in you individually will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's the day we're looking forward to. That's the day when everything will be restored to what it was meant to be, what it should be. Now, we define things by those days that we look forward to. There are many people who are saying, I can't wait until there is a vaccine for the coronavirus. Because when there is a vaccine for the coronavirus, everything will return back to normal. That will go back to life as it was. Now, I'm looking forward to that day when there is a vaccine for the coronavirus. I'm looking forward to a day when lives won't be at risk because of COVID-19. But let me be clear. When there is a vaccine and when people are safe from the coronavirus, Things will not be as they should. Because the reality is sin and brokenness and evil and injustice will still exist in our world. As God looks at my life and your life, as God looks at our community, as God looks at our country and world, he recognizes that things are not yet like they could be or should be and will be when Jesus returns. Now, some people are saying, well, I'm... I'm even looking closer. I'm not looking to the day that there's a vaccine. I'm looking to November 3rd, that on November 3rd, everything might be able to, to be changed or stay the same or be able to move forward because that's election day. And, and then we get, things can get back to normal or move into a deeper side of normalcy. 
But you see, election day isn't going to change and make things normal. It may return things more like they used to be, but it will not make things like they should be. That day only comes when Jesus returns. That is the day that we define reality by. That is the day by which we live our lives for. And so what he has begun in us individually and as a church, he will continue to do until the day of Christ Jesus. That is the partnership we have in the gospel. And so let me ask, as we begin this fall, how are you entering into it? Are you recognizing that God is at work in your life and God is continuing to be at work until the day of Christ Jesus, doing, making us more and more like Jesus? And as a church, becoming the church that God has called us to be. That he is continuing this progress in us. Now, you might look at your life today and say, well, my life, is basically the same spiritually as it was a year ago. Or you might be able to look at your life today and say, you know, I've grown a lot. The coronavirus and the pandemic and the isolation has caused some people to say, I'm going to seize this moment and opportunity to grow. Others have said, I'm going to step back and coast. But this fall, we begin a new season. And the question, the more important question is, am I different today than I was a year ago? The more important question is, will I be different a year from now than I am today? What is God up to in my life? And am I willing to participate and cooperate with the Holy Spirit to become the person that God is calling us to? Now, here's the thing with the book of Philippians and so, many, so much of the New Testament. Every time the word you is used, it is plural. We often will read a passage like this and we apply it personally, as we should, because he's talking to all of God's people. But what's powerful is he's talking to the church. He's saying what God began in you as a church in Philippi, he is continuing to do and be at work until the day of Christ Jesus. What God has begun in, in St. James 60 years ago, he is continuing to do and work toward completion and perfection until the day of Christ Jesus. So the question we need to ask is what is God up to in our lives and in our church to fulfill the calling he has given us? Now, this partnership is the first part. But the second part is he goes on, same sentence, but verse 7. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. You see, we're called a partnership, but we're also called partnership anticipating the day of Christ Jesus, but now we're called to love because of the affection in Christ Jesus. You see, love is what, what holds the church together. It's the love of God through Jesus that we experience what genuine love is. 
is that as we internalize the reality of God's love for us demonstrated through Jesus and his death on the cross, we know without question that we are loved by God, no matter who we are, no matter what our past is, no matter what we've done or not done. As we anticipate this year, we go into this year because you are loved by God. And so we are called to love. Now, this uh, is, is powerful as the church because that is the mark of the church. Jesus went so far as to say that they will know you are my disciples. They are, will know you are the church by what? By your, by your love. It is the, love is the hallmark of the church. The love we experience from God, the love that we have with one another, and the love that we share with those around. Now, some of us might say, well, that's easy to love people, and maybe for the church in Philippi, it was easy for them to love each other because they were so similar. They had so much in common, but nothing could be further from the truth. If you go back to the very beginning of the church in Philippi in Acts chapter 16, it's quite an exciting story that Paul was on his second missionary journey and he had Silas and Timothy and Luke who was writing the book of Acts. And, and they, were, they had come up the western shore of, of what is today Turkey. And they were going to continue north deeper into Asia. But Paul had this vision to go to Macedonia, to go turn left and go west. And so as they did and they moved west, they moved into this town or the city of Philippi. It is the first city in what is now Europe. We are actually, most of us, descendants of the gospel entering into Europe, changing the entire landscape. And as Paul made his way there, as he would often do, he'd look for a synagogue where people would be worshiping God, where Jews would be worshiping. But in Philippi, this, this Greek city under Roman Empire, in the Roman Empire, there was no synagogue. Jewish custom had that you had to have 10 men in order to create a synagogue, and they didn't have 10 men. And so there was, what they would do is meet in like Bible studies or small groups, prayer groups. And they would read the, the Old Testament and they would pray together. And, and, what they, uh, and so Paul went down to this Bible study he found. I like to think of it as the Riverside Bible study. And they were gathered there and there was a woman named Lydia. She was a prominent, successful businesswoman. And she was leading this gathering that was there. And, and Paul shared the gospel and that Jesus is the Messiah and that he is our Savior and he is Lord and he's, he died for our sins and he's risen from the dead. And Lydia was so overwhelmed that she accepted Christ as her Savior and she, she and her whole family, were told, were baptized. And as Paul and his companions continued to minister throughout the city, they found a young woman a girl who was being exploited. She was possessed by a demon. She had the ability to tell the future, or at least she said she did. And people would pay money, and so her owners would exploit her and, and to make money for them. And Paul shared the gospel with her, and Paul loved her and showed God's love to her. And she was delivered from that demon, and she stopped telling fortunes. And she accepted the gospel, and she became part of this newborn church that was forming. And yet her owners were upset that they had stolen their source of income from her, and so they had Paul and Silas thrown into prison. They were beaten and flogged. 
Now, what did Paul and Silas do when they were in that jail? And I've stood actually at that riverside. I've stood at the, at the opening of that ancient, of the ruins of that ancient jail. And Paul and Silas began to sing Christian songs. They just go on singing wherever they go. And in that jail, they began to sing. And as they sang, they shared the gospel to the others there. And then an earthquake broke out and the jail doors opened. And the prisoners began to run away. But then the jailer, the Roman jailer, realized that because prisoners were getting away on his watch, his life was over. And so he's just about to commit suicide. And Paul was able to convince all the prisoners to stay in their cells. And the Roman guard was floored by that kind of love and action. And he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul shared the gospel with him. And we're told that that Roman guard and his entire family were baptized and became part of that church. And so we had this prominent Greek uh, wealthy businesswoman. We had this young girl who was demon-possessed and had been ex exploited. And we had this Roman guard. And they began to make up the church. They couldn't be more different. And I know people are the same way today. Business people who were prominent, successful, making all kinds of wealth and income, and yet they feel the emptiness of it, and they're looking for more and begin to ask questions. People who are stuck in addictions and, and feel exploited by their employers or their situation and struggling, how am I going to find my way out of this? People who are in jobs or have responsibilities that, that are unreasonable that are being expected on them and they look for answers in the gospel see the very same dynamic exists today and st james presbyterian church is here to show the love of god that sets people free i want to speak very personally about this because i think i, I mean i see week in and week out how the love of God is experienced right here in this church family. There isn't a, a, hardly a day that goes by that I get an email where people are sharing about contacts they've made, relationships they have, uh, communications and connections they've made, and what's going on in people's lives. I've been watching our deacons and Stephen ministers, and, but others in our congregation just loving on each other that the pandemic does not stop the love of God through his people. I see our partner ministries like Love Inc. And, and school partners and our food bank and other ministries that we have continuing to communicate the love of God through this church family. Over this last week or so, I've, as anticipating today, I've been just thinking about all the different expressions of love that, this, that marks this congregation. And listen, we've been through a lot. Over these last five years, we've been through all kinds of different challenges and hardships. We've seen changes in our focus and mission statement, and we've, we've drilled into that while other people said, you know, I'm just going to leave. We've seen changes in some staff. We've seen changes because of the pandemic and even having to worship in different ways and carry on meetings and ministries and, and classes and small groups in different ways. And here's what St. James does. They continue to hang in there together. That we are together loving God, loving each other. 
that when that trick question that Eugene mentioned that Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? It is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor, love each other as yourself because love is the vehicle of the gospel. And those aren't just abstract ideas and words here at St. James. Those are realities that are lived out every day. This last couple of weeks, my wife and I were caring for my mother-in-law. She's in her uh, mid-80s. She fell and broke her femur. She can't put any weight on her leg. Mom, if you're watching, I love you. Uh, that, uh, and she is in recovery. She's halfway through, and we're there caring for her. And as, as I was coming back, I was just reflecting on all the love that is in this church family. And yesterday in the mail, I received a card that was an expression of love for me. And it was somebody who just out of their own initiative said, hey, we just want to express our love for you. And I thought, you know, I was all the ways that I see it happen, and here it is when I least expect it, another expression of God's love. And I resonate so deeply with the Apostle Paul and his words for the church in Philippi, I feel for you. When Paul says it is right for me to feel this way about all of you, by the way, it's not just some of you. Every single one matters. Every single one matters. Notice this in Paul's words. He said, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Do you see what he's saying? You are loved. You are loved by God. You are loved by each other. And I love you. And so Paul ends with this powerful prayer, bringing all this together. And it's the prayer I want to end this time with for all of us. He says, this is my prayer. And Lord, we pray this, that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern, that we may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless on the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through you, Jesus, to the glory and the praise of God. Lord, let this season be unlike any season because you galvanize your church as an unstoppable force in our community, and in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. St. James is a Presbyterian church located in Littleton, Colorado. Find us on the web at www.sjprez.org or email us at contact at sjprez.org.